0: Hi, it's Sharon Swing. Before we get started on today's podcast, there are two opportunities we would love to invite you to join us in. One is a Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God and My Story. It's a life mapping virtual group that will be starting September 10th. I'll be leading that along with Joan Kelly and Civil Towner. We would love to have you join us. Second thing, a live in-person workshop in the Chicago area for people who want to lead others through the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life. We would love to have you find out more information at onelifemaps.com. That's O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com. You'll see a link to those two opportunities off of the front page now, for our podcast.
1: Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co author of Listen to My Life Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story, Sharon Swing.
0: Hello, everyone. So glad you could join us today. You're in for a treat. We've got Kelly Fabian around the table with us, along with Joan Kelly today. Say hi, Kelly. Hey, everyone. And Good morning. We're going to be talking about Kelly's book, Sacred Questions. It's three hundred and sixty-five days of responding to God. I love that little piece <laughs> in the corner. So, the subtitle of Sacred Questions is a transformative journey through the Bible, and it is really a. It's just such a beautiful book. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's visually beautiful, but the but the the gentleness and graciousness with which every word seems to to drip out. Just, I I love it because I can also hear your voice, Kelly. Well, I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, I I love that one, when I can hear, when I can hear the author's voice in my head and uh, you're a, you're a gentle and reliable guide. Oh, thank you. So Kelly, how do you like to be introduced these days?
2: Well, I have um, sort of a complicated title and I'm not always needing to be introduced by the title, but because it's new and it's different from what's on the book, I thought I'd share it. So first, I you know, I work at Willow Creek and my title there is Pastor of Protection, Conciliation and Doctrinal Casework. So it's a little bit of a mouthful, but essentially I deal with um, all of the problems essentially that come up and try to pastor people through difficult situations, whether they're being subject to something or they've done something um and try to sit and hear stories and pastor people when they're going through a lot of times the hardest parts of their life.
0: Hmm.
2: I love that you put pastor in there because that just feels
3: feels so important and that's how I've experienced you. So yeah. I'm I'm glad that's a part of the title.
0: Thank Very you. So. Thank you. So this book um it's a daily devotional but it's intertwined with your story. And I, I love the fact that that's in there because it is, f- for me, I mean, to experience God outside of our stories just doesn't make any sense. Right. To me, it just doesn't compute that way. And so tell us a little bit about early experiences of reaching out for God or experiencing God that, were, that, that shaped you.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting question because I didn't really grow up Christian, um, except in the sense that we celebrated Christmas and we celebrated Easter, but not, they weren't really about Jesus. But I do remember very early, probably um, I was nine or something like that. And we had moved to Chicago from Michigan and my sister and I, who's three years younger than me, share a room. And there was this one time around Christmas where I had all these little toys that I was playing with. And I don't even know where this came from exactly, but I was doing like the nativity scene when Jesus and like Mary and Joseph were traveling after his birth. Like I followed the whole birth of Jesus and then going to Egypt. And honestly, I don't even remember how I knew that story. I had gone to Sunday school a couple of times. So who knows how I heard about it? And what's funny to me is I don't know what was happening in that moment, but why do I remember that? Sometimes I think, why do I remember? I mean, I played with all kinds of things as a kid, but that sticks out to me so clearly. I remember exactly where I was in my room, on the floor doing this. And so I now look back and think that must have been a moment where God was reaching out to me or I, I was attentive to that in some way. I don't remember anything else about it except that it happened, and how 30-some years later, I still remember it. Mm -hmm. So that's the earliest memory I have of like, um, some engagement with God, and it wasn't some God out there. It was really personal to Jesus.
0: Yeah, somehow a sacred moment.
2: Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. That um, you couldn't have named at the time. Right. Yeah. I remember being fully immersed in it. That's all I, you know. Yeah.
0: I have an early memory that, it's, uh, that is watching my cousin being baptized. Hmm. And I just remember it being a sacred moment. Interesting. Yeah. In, in such an odd way. Like, I want, I don't want to forget this. I remember saying to myself, I don't want to forget hmm. this. I don't want to forget this. So, t- tell me else, uh, anything else about... Um, where did your journey go from there where you started to be able to name your desire for God?
2: It's hard to know for sure. So much of it is kind of in retrospect. Um, and I don't know how much I'm adding in the sense, you know, as I look back, but, um, when we first, so when my sister and I and my mom first moved to Chicago, um, my mom married my stepdad, who is a quadriplegic. And because of that, He requires, you know, 24-hour care, and he's very capable. He does a lot of things. He's actually raced, I think, 32 Chicago Mac sailboat races. Mm. Um, So he's not incapable, but he does require a lot of care. And so I remember knowing when we moved and seeing how my mom was relating to him that, um, I don't know, this overwhelming sense of aloneness Kind of struck me. You talk about
3: that. I think in the very beginning of, yeah. of the devotional about yeah. having a, having a moment again with your sister, and wh- I forget what you
2: said. Yeah. Well, I, I said we're on our own now. We're on our own now. And I was, again, I was nine or ten. Is the same bedroom actually that I'm telling the story about the nativity? <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and I think that aloneness and and sort of seeking to. Um, protect myself and take care of myself started then, as far as I know, I don't know for sure, obviously, but that was a moment where I just had this sense like, I'm going to have to take care of myself from here. And I guess that's kind of the road I started to take. And um, in my family life, it was really important to, to do that, to achieve, to sort of be part of the world, you know, go to the best schools, go to the best, you know, have the best job, etc. And so I really walked that path. I went to Catholic schools along the way, grade school and high school, but didn't really have a spiritual connection very much. I had a couple of moments along the way that where I, I could say God was present. Um, and again, I sort of say that in retrospect, um, but it wasn't until much later that I really felt in a very tangible way that God was reaching out to me.
0: Mm. So you describe um, at the beginning of the chapter that is titled "Rooted," some of that in terms of striving for um, you know the best career and yep. and and all, and clearly, I mean, you got your law degree you had a a child and how did the the timing of all of that was right like you finished law school had a baby yeah. did the bar <laughs> yes, I
2: finished law school, I graduated law school, and it's funny to look at the pictures because I was so hugely pregnant and I was having Braxton Hicks contractions during my graduation. <laughs> and I was oh thinking, I hope oh I don't goodness. give birth during this, you know, <laughs> and I'm huge. And you have that robe on, so it just looks ridiculous. <laughs> like a tent. Drop yeah. a baby out the bottom yeah, of it. Yeah, it really looks like a tent. Oh my goodness. Um, And then, you know, the bar exam, if I remember, was like July 25th and 26th. And Jamie, my daughter, was born on June 28th. Oh,
3: my So goodness. I graduated
2: probably end of May or something uh-huh. like that and then was studying for the bar, you know, intensely, um, then had my daughter on June 28th. And all of my friends and stuff were like, you shouldn't take the bar. This is a bad time, you know. And so then I'm up in the night, all night, you know, feeding her and then go and study all day for the bar and then come home and, like, you know, so I was up all the time, it felt like. And then I decided to take the bar exam, um, which is crazy, but I passed, so I feel <laughs>
0: like it was worth it. I'm sleep deprived and hormonal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> passed the bar anyway.
2: Yeah. Nice job. Yeah. So I was I was on the road to the success that my family had, you know, sort of and not just my family, our culture, you know, sort of expects and and I was definitely living into that. And I was um, doing well, you know, I felt happy and, and good. And then it and sounds then, like
0: here. Yeah. And you, you, you write a a poem that you titled The Plea. Mm-hmm. And so did this land in your journal somewhere? Were yes. you a journaler at the time? Yes.
2: I, I've always written since I was six, I've written and journaled and, um, so yes. And written a lot of poetry. So I, this is a period in my life where I was writing a lot of poetry, Um, And so this, my plea was in that, in that phase. Would you
0: mind reading that for us? Sure.
2: And just to give you a little context, right before I wrote this, um, I had been married for um, about five years and three years in my daughter was diagnosed with epilepsy. So she was two and a half or one and a half and was diagnosed with epilepsy September 11th was three days before that. And then my husband at the time had some major surgery and almost died. Um, And then within 18 months of that, we got divorced. Mm -hmm. So all of the things I thought I should have and that make you a success turned out to be defective in some way, Mm -hmm. you know. And kind of the bottom fell out is the way I would describe it. Um, And in the middle of that is when I wrote this, my plea. My plea. Oh God, where are you? Why can't I see you? Why can't I feel you? Please God, hear me. Have you ever seen me? Will you ever see me? Will I ever feel you? Where are you, oh God? Why do others see you wherever they go? Why do I see you nowhere? Why are my eyes closed to you? Have you been here? Was it you, God, who created the light of my life, my blue-eyed angel? It had to be you. Are you testing me and I'm failing? What happens if I fail forever? What happens when I'm standing at your gates and I see you for the very first time? Will you let me in or forsake me because I could not and cannot find you? I'm trying, or am I? What takes control of me so that I am blind to you? Greed, vanity, lust, self-indulgence? I have never known you, and I'm so sorry this did not occur to me until now. Have you abandoned me? Have I lost you? I will continue searching. Please forgive me. Oh God, please, please find me because I cannot find you.
3: Hmm. What's it feel like to read that, Kelly?
2: Um, I guess I would say, I mean, it's emotional in some sense, but I also feel, it reminds me when I read it that what I read in scripture is true mm. because God says, if you seek me, you will find me. And what's, um, interesting about this, this was like, it wasn't until three years later that I really came into relationship with God. So I, I was calling out to God in any way that I knew how, and eventually he responded. And I don't know what, you know, I have no idea what the timing is, but I read this and I remember being in a very low place and just thinking there has to be something.
0: Hmm.
2: And I you know, it's that moment where you realize you all the things that you thought were true, like that you could achieve things, that you could achieve happiness or whatever, um real life is the opposite, which is anything can happen. And so we need somebody to help us. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's what I was feeling.
0: Hmm. Listening to you read it. I mean, it brought tears to me when I read it the first time Mm. and to hear you read it.
2: Yeah.
0: I felt that again. And just the lostness and the hopelessness Mm -hmm. and the yearning that's underneath it Mm. all. And, um, and to know that the story unfolded in a way that, um, so here you are someone who has pastor in her title, is mm. doing seminary, who wrote a book called sacred questions. Mm. And I love the fact that your lawyer background and how lawyers use questions and, and, uh, and all just that way of relating to God, just going ahead and asking. Yeah these questions is is part of the structure of how this book works
2: you know it's so funny you say that because until this moment i, I did not this sounds super weird to say i did not realize how many questions were in this poem hmm. literally until you just said that mm.
0: um so
2: that's that's an interesting mm-hmm.
0: yeah and and the just kind of of a fearless asking of questions. Mm. It's, it's like why, just uh, how, why you know. Just uh, help me understand. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just that that grasping for that. But here it is, in the midst of that, that you write these incredible devotional pieces. That the structure is read. You know, reading some scripture, reflect and respond. Um, as a way to to put us in relationship with God, to put us in connection with him yeah, and, uh, and be able to have a pathway to find, to, to find that connection. Because I, I know that through what you've written and what you've expressed that you fully believe that, that the spirit is in us. Mm-hmm. It's not like we have to search outside of ourselves right. to find him out there somewhere. Um, and especially when we try to find him in the midst of of, of our our disappointments that are so confusing to us, yes. not until later on can we look back and say that God was there too. Yes, a lot of times where we felt abandoned, that 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 wasn't even the case. Right, but can't see it then. But here you write in such a way that gives us this 365 opportunities to kind of exercise this muscle mm-hmm. <laughs> of of connecting with God. Yeah.
2: Well, we're so used to, in, in every other area of our life, and even this area, we're used to having a thought and then seeking to figure out if that's true or not. And to me, that's hugely problematic because our thoughts are shaped by culture. Our thoughts are, you know, our own hearts are deceived. And so it's hard to know what is correct or not about our thoughts. But if we, like in the devotional, if we start with scripture and allow that then to guide our response and our reflection, that will shape more of what's true. And eventually our thoughts become you know, aligned with what mm-hmm. scripture says about who we are, about who God is, about wh- how we are to be in the world. So the idea of the book and the way it's structured is really to reverse that and have us shaped in an entirely different way, shaped by what God's word says is true, so that then that informs
0: what we know to be true about ourselves. Right. And in in interesting ways, um, with Listen to My Life, because a lot of our listeners have, have, have experienced Life mapping. We start with this. We start with an introduction that kind of gives a little bit of the truth of who you are, but basically lets you go on this journey of mapping out your life and right. figuring out, like bringing to the surface what I, what we really think is true about ourselves and our own story, like right. telling our own story our own way. And then hopefully we've 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 written it in a way that people actually take us seriously. We say invite God into the process of yes. helping you to remember and bring your attention to what he wants you to know, and then bringing people back to scripture on the back end to kind of check themselves in that kind of way, Mm -hmm. um, kind of holding their story more lightly than than what God says is true. So I asked you before we started about a favorite Yes. And um, you pointed, uh, you you came to one very, very quickly that was your favorite. What page is that on? So that's
2: on page 135, and that's in that same section called Rooted that you had mentioned.
0: So tell us about that one and why it's one of your favorites, because it's right on topic to where where the conversation was going here. Well, I knew I wanted,
2: the book of Ephesians is a really interesting letter that Paul wrote, and... I got to a point where I realized that Ephesians was all about who we are in Christ. And there's a way to read Ephesians that, you know, you, and this is often how we read scripture. You kind of break it up and you read it on different days and you read it with different, a different lens. And there's great stuff to get out of it. There's another way to read Ephesians, which is as one story about who we are in Christ. And that I believe is what Paul is trying to share and so the last devotional in this section sums up, in a sense, all of what Ephesians says and what Paul is saying, who we are in Christ. So there's um, just this uh, repeated section of Ephesians, which is chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And this is where Paul's basically saying, you were once like this, and, you know, all of the bad things that we are. And some of us who um, grew up being Christians have a hard time relating to this idea that we were so bad before. But for me, I can see who I was before very clearly. And we're all that way in a sense. And it's just that some of us relate to that piece a little bit more. And so for me, I can completely see I used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, Paul says, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. And he goes into this long thing about what it looks like when we are not living in Christ. And then he says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And then he goes on and sort of shares with us this summary of what he's been saying or will say in the rest of Ephesians about who we are. So in this particular one, what I collect then are each of those elements that Paul identifies throughout Ephesians of who we are. And there, I didn't count them in advance, but there's at least 20 of them, I think, um, if you were to read through this. And it's so, this is one of those things like you should read to your kids and to your spouse and to your small group and to yourself. Uh, I read this recently out loud and it's so compelling. So if you read through Ephesians, Ephesians, here's what you're going to learn, that you are in Christ, adopted, under Christ, Christ's own, confident in hope, empowered, changed, loved, With Christ, created anew, brought near, joined together with others in Christ, granted access to God's presence, rooted in love, being transformed, called by God, gifted by God, created to be like God, saved. You are a person of light, you are able to choose, you are to be submitted to others, strong in the Lord, prepared and equipped, this is who you are. This is who you are. Mm. If that doesn't chase out every other mm-hmm. dark word or image that you might have
0: had of yourself, then you need to read it again. Yeah, it's it's whose voice are we going to listen to? Yes. Whose voice are we going to believe? And then you get... Uh, you ask a few questions here. So why don't you give us a sample of, yeah. of, of, of some of that? So what I try to do with these questions
2: is start with kind of a an orientation. What What is happening when you read this? What is, you know, what are you sensing? What are you noticing? Then I try to move into a space of reflection on your own life, and then I try to move out into the world. So... Um, this one is a little more personal just because I I want people to grasp who they are so that they can then go out. But the first question is um, just asking that very thing. So when you hear this, what happens in you? What stirs in your heart and in your soul? Which of these descriptions can you easily receive? So you go, you know, changed. Yeah, I'm changed for sure. But then you look at, you know, Strong in the Lord, and maybe you think, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I don't feel strong in the Lord. Which of the descriptions give rise to resistance and just don't seem true of you? Which of the descriptions do you need to hang on your wall, to tape to your bathroom mirror, or have tattooed on your heart? Mm -hmm. Um, There are some we just can't possibly believe because of the stories that we've experienced, the voices that we hear that are not of God. Um, and some that, for example, in Christ, this is a very odd term. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I heard someone say once that we talk a lot about how Christ is in us, but that in scripture, um, it is way more often said that we are in Christ.
3: It's interesting. Yeah. Huh.
2: So at, for as much as it's true that Christ is in you, it is not true or just as true, but more important that you are in Christ. Hmm.
0: So, so tell me, so tell me what, how does, cause that sounds like for me, that's, uh, there's positional language yeah. there. Um, which puts either Christ in us or around us or that we are in the midst of, um, in there. And how do you see that as important and different?
2: I think if you think only of Christ being in you, you are in a sense still seeking to be God. Of course, it's true that Christ is in you. Um, but you, in a sense, if you think of it only that way can remain in control. Christ is in me. It's almost like there's a little Christ inside of me and I'm bigger. This is the way I think about it. But if I am in Christ, um, Christ is bigger and I'm safe and I'm loved and I'm, um, I don't have to rely on myself.
3: Mm-hmm. I feel embraced as embraced. I think about that. I'm surrounded and I'm embraced by him
0: like a little girl. That's Thanks good. for letting me tease that out, mm-hmm. yeah. because I, I I think there is so much of how we use language that is about where things are and and mm-hmm. who, where we are in relation to whatever it is the subject is. Yes, and um, that becomes important is to how we see ourselves and who we see and uh, who we see ourselves as being in the midst of what else is happening. Mm-hmm. And that also indicates what our attitudes are, what our resistances are, what our um, what our choices start to become. And I think there's part of that that is about if we if we see ourselves as victims or just survivors, kind of floating, or or people who can thrive, right? Um, people who can make a difference. I mean, I can't tell you how many people. I talk to that somehow or another, they have desires that are pretty clear, but they choose not to pursue them. Right. Um, they choose not to take particular risks. And a lot of times it's, there's so many assumptions about themselves and how they've played the story forward that keep them from doing it. And I do that to myself right, as well. Yeah.
2: And I think we, I mean, our culture has shaped us to believe that if something fails, that we are a failure and that, that thing was a failure. But I just, I don't buy into that. I think that God calls us to things that Mm -hmm. will fail. And Mm -hmm. that does not mean that God didn't call us to that. I think Mm -hmm. some people think, well, what if this isn't God? And what if I do this and I fail and therefore I failed in obedience or failed, failed God in some way, but God calls us all the time, I think, to do things Mm -hmm. in faith and the end result isn't the thing he's after. He's after the transformation that occurs in us as we're working through that thing. Mm-hmm. So if fear of failure is the thing that's keeping us from taking the risk to act in obedience, um, I, I would suggest that perhaps we're thinking that the success of that thing is what we're putting our faith in as opposed to mm-hmm. the journey that God's want, mm-hmm. God wants to take us
0: on. Right. And, and what he terms as success it may be very, very different than, than how we see right. it and how right. the world around us. He sees doesn't it. use those words.
3: So, right. Yeah. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So then we get down to, um, in every, in every piece that you write here, there's a read, a reflect and a response. So what do you do in the response section here?
2: So in respond, um, what I try to do is in my own time, and this is how the book came out or came to be is that I try to then sum up what I've experienced in that time or what I seek to experience out of it. Um, So if, for example, I read through these um, descriptors of who I am in Christ and something stirs in me about one of them, or I feel resistance to one of them, I want to mark that because God is going to use that in some way. And so I want to submit that to him Mm -hmm. essentially and say, Mm -hmm. okay, I felt this and I'm responding to you. I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with it, but I'm
0: essentially returning it to you. Mm -hmm. I'm acknowledging it to myself, something you already knew, Lord. Yes. And, um, what's that about? and presenting it's, it's another it to question. You. Yeah. it's a it's a yeah. hmm yes and and just with open hands kind of saying is there something you want to talk to me about that mm-hmm. is there something you want me to notice yes. and then sometimes things unfold even later that day yes, that seem to be in that same kind It's like of, you're planting seeds,
3: right? That yeah. they might flourish later on.
0: It's 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 similar it's, to the examiner, what mm-hmm. uh, what we call the review of the day in, mm-hmm. in terms of the, the questions that we plant in our mind and the things that we notice are the things that... Uh, are, in, in, in a time of reflection like that, are the patterns that we start to pick up on mm-hmm. and um, to be able to see God at work in the midst of how the day unfolds, right. um, because what we've cued our minds up to pay attention to in the yeah. midst of it. So yeah. um, why don't you go ahead and read the, yeah. read the respond prayer here. Father,
2: I read through this list and I see in black and white what I know you say is true of me, both in the words of scripture and by your actions. Can it be Help me embrace the truth of who I am in you and step fully into that truth so I can be and do what you've called me to in this world. When I get stuck or waylaid, pull me back to you. Remind me who I am. Remind me that I am yours. I am yours. Amen.
3: Mm. Mm. You know, Kelly, this... I love this book, but I know it's based on this like daily practice that we can do with or without your book. And I know that's probably your greater passion is to, you know, move people towards this. What, what would you tell someone about how to get started with this as a, is really a a daily practice Mm of engaging with scripture this way?
2: Um, my husband, who's a pastor, I've heard him say the best way to read your Bible is to read your Bible. (laughs) Um, People are always looking for ways to be equipped to read their Bible, and that's really important. And so the first thing I would say is to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, The daily practice, just um, the example I like to give is about braces. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you've ever had braces, what you know is you get braces And you could have a completely like huge gaps in your teeth, your jaw could be misaligned and braces over time can fix entire structures of your mouth. And when it's happening, you do not see it. It's the weirdest thing. So you can't, like maybe if you stood in front of the mirror for five (laughs) years straight, you'd see something, but it's the ongoing work of the braces that can restructure your entire mouth. Practices and disciplines, as I'm sure you guys have talked about many times, are the same way. So if you read your Bible once, that's not reading your Bible, that's reading your Bible once. (laughs) But if you read it over and over and over and get into a practice in which you're doing this on a daily basis, that's the most important thing and God will change you. I mean, there is just no question about it adding the element of that the book suggests of reading large chunks of scripture, understanding where you are in the story, allowing God to raise questions in you. um, So that you start to recognize the areas in which you are doubting, you are scared, you have resistance, you have a lack of patience or whatever it might be. Um, begins a process that sort of digs deep in your soul where God can start to change you. And that's not to say he can't do it other ways. Of course he can. Um, But for me, this practice has allowed um, just... Sometimes you spend more time trying to figure out how to read the Bible as opposed to actually reading it and reflecting. So the idea of the book is to give you a tool, Mm -hmm. and it's not the only one, but a tool um, to to walk through and um, not have to focus so much on developing your own ways to engage, but rather it will guide you and just allow you to relax a little bit into it, and then
0: God will transform. Mm Mm-hmm. I just love that over, over time there's, there's so many different questions yes and so many different ways to reflect in the midst of this that, um, I just love being able to take a drive in somebody else's car, so mm. to speak, for a little while, you know, um, to expand my, my tools. Toolbox or and, something. Yeah. And, um, kind of take a look from a different angle. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and I like your angle. <laughs> Thank you. And <laughs> I I like, think, I like your point of view. I yeah. like you know.
2: I think sometimes in our tradition, um, you know, we we focus a lot on the spontaneity, spontaneous, spontaneous prayer, extemporaneous prayer, and we've sort of lost the tradition of praying in other people's words. Um, this there are times and. Maybe lots of people are in the midst of this now where your words just don't feel like either you don't have them or you're repeating yourself every day or something. You know, we all get stuck. And a lot of times you can adopt other people's words and that allows you to um,
0: move into a new realm of -hmm. your life. Well, I think it at least gives us something to push back against. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> if not take on yes. as is as, as our own, Absolutely. and um, to have something happen in us mm-hmm. to either say, "Oh, this person understands that I felt that before." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, your poem that you read earlier—I mm-hmm. remember feeling that. Yeah. You know, I remember m- my time that was like that. Yeah. I sure didn't write something as beautiful as what that was. In my journal at the time, but um i I know people who are there right now, yes, uh, and this solidarity, more or less this this community of of people's experiences where all of a sudden you start to not feel so alone, Yes, because mm-hmm. in the bewilderment mm-hmm. of some of those moments is when we get we start telling ourselves, "I'm alone, mm-hmm. I'm lost." I don't know if I can be found. I don't know, you know. I do. Oh, wait. This is human. Yes. <laughs> this yes. is a human experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's kind of a uh, of a welcome to the party. Mm-hmm. And let's all help remind each other who we are. More importantly, who God is. Yes. That we are in. Yes. Right? Yes. In the midst of it. Any other things you want our uh, listeners to know? How to get in touch with you? Um, how to get the book? Yeah, I
2: mean, the best, the book is available, you know, wherever books are sold online. Um, so Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Nav Press. Um, and I have my website, which is just kellyfabian.com, where my information is spelled Kelly. Yes, Kelly is spelled with a superfluous E. So it's K E L L Y E Fabian, F A B I A N. Um, the other thing I would say about the book is that you can start it in any section. So it's written to be formative as you go through it beginning to end, but it also is written topically in a sense, or like where you might be in your journey. And so if you, I think a lot of people are intimidated by devotionals because if they don't start on January 1st, they're like, well, I guess I can't do it till next year. I appreciated year. that there were no dates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was on purpose. Um, so there's that. So you could start it on February 15th oh my goodness. or you could start it on May 31st <laughs> or December or, right. 30th. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you can start it in any section. I mean, obviously you can do whatever you want, but my point is you don't lose something.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And there might be an area in the book that will relate to you a little bit more right now in this season than another place. So you can start it wherever. Mm, Kelly, can you tell a little bit? Because it always feels
3: like a secret image on the... I I remember I think you came and you were talking to a friend of mine and me about the cover and the artwork that's there because I could easily just kind of miss what's Mm -hmm. there. And it's just stunning to me
2: yeah this um NavPress press did an amazing job with this cover um and tyndale they they have a, a team that creates this kind of thing and um so the center is just some icons that are associated with scripture, obviously. The thing that's beautiful about this that you would never know, I don't think is if you see those hash marks that go around that center wreath, so there's these hash marks there's actually three hundred and sixty five of those. Um, and then you've got the, you know, the subtitle in there. So they just did an amazing job of capturing what the book is and represents with this
0: cover.
3: Yeah. 365 days of responding to God. Yeah.
0: It's so, it's so, it really, it's a, it's a gorgeous book. I mean, they did such a,
2: they did phenomenal job,
0: um, with the design. Yeah. Um, it's, it's worthy of its content.
2: Oh, thank you. I appreciate
0: that. <laughs> so um, Kelly Fabian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having mm-hmm. me. We loved having you here. Oh, thank yeah. you. Welcome to the podcasting headquarters um, <laughs> of One Life Maps Podcast. Um, thank you. So now Kelly is going to read one of these uh, for us, uh, um, a selection here for our Patreon supporters. So we have, a there's a website called Patreon. So patrons, um, supporters of One Life Maps that help us, uh, pay for what we do with the podcast and some other things with Listen to My Life. Um, we have a thank you gift every week that is an audio devotional and it is a, um, uh, probably sometimes very short, sometimes five minutes, sometimes up to maybe 10 or 15 minutes, where you can just listen and relax and breathe and welcome the Holy Spirit to speak with you in in an experience where you don't have to do anything but breathe and listen and be guided In the midst of it, and so uh, Kelly's going to do an audio meditation for us out of the book on Patreon. So if you go over there, it's uh Patreon P A T R E O N. Patreon, is that right? I think so. Patreon dot com slash one life maps we'll have it in the show notes as well and uh, if you go over there and if you pledge five dollars a month or more um, you get all of the audio devotionals we've already put out and then you'll get an email every week with a new one so want to invite you um, to join us with that the, the support is just wildly appreciated so thank you so much Joan Kelly great, great to meet you Kelly Fabian Thank you, guys. Good to be with you. Uh, Tune in again next week. And uh, until then, we hope you are able to recognize and respond to God with a lot of joy this week.
1: Many blessings. Have you thought, I don't know myself anymore? Have you wondered, is there something more? Are you at a crossroads in life and asking, which way will lead me toward expressing more of who I am made to be? Are you looking for a way to understand the restlessness you feel inside? Are you seeking a deeper spiritual life and desire to rediscover who you are through God's eyes? Or You're ready for the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life. Go to onelifemaps.com to purchase your portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com, O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com.